Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. And now, it's Gabe Ramirez. Now that DeMar's gone... Again, less is more. You're giving more opportunity for Zach Levine to be the alpha male that he wants to be. If he's happy, he's playing better, and the team is playing playing better. You give Vooch, a guy who felt like he had to share shots with DeMar as well, an opportunity to shoot a three-pointer without feeling like, oh, damn, uh, I, 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 I took this opportunity away from somebody else. That, that's what I feel like needs to happen for the Chicago Bulls. But, again, Mark Grody. They kept calling me a lavalier boy. I don't know what that meant. <laughs> it's Grody time! Yeah! Live from 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Gabe Ramirez. It is Mark Grody. It is 670 Score broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. Lots to talk about, Groats, with the Chicago Bulls. Of course, the uh, Cubbies are out there doing their thing in Londres. That's how you say it in Spanish. Nice. And then, uh, you know, the White Sox starting a little bit, and... Tim Anderson playing second base today. Yeah. That's good. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. A lot of good stuff. <laughs> that will have people talking no matter what the proper context of it is. And for now, it's just to keep him loose, not overextend him, and then they slide him back to shortstop. We shall see. Oh, it makes it's a good talking point, my isn't favorite, it? My favorite thing is is, is Pedro Grafol saying, I want to begin by saying, don't read into this. It's like it's like when people you say, just lost the sale. I'm not trying to be rude. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? I yeah. People say things like that. So yep, yep. we'll get into that in just a second. But and we'll decide that stuff, Grafal. <laughs> yeah. We'll decide. Let, 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 let us be those people that can say that stuff. Please. Um, but this is our first time seeing each other since, you know, talking yesterday. You were at the Advocate Center with Alyssa Bergamini. Yes. I was in studio with Aunt Heron, and you made it out alive. You did not pick up a basketball. And play I on the court. Did, unfortunately, I did not. It just the the etiquette. I was not going to go outside of the etiquette yeah. as an interloper to the to the Bulls. You're beat. not a outside the etiquette kind of guy. Uh, not not in that. I like to respect my media brethren. As somebody who is on a beat, I can understand what it's like if somebody just pops in. You know, I didn't want to make. I don't want. And they're shooting a basketball, and right, you're like, right, right. "What's this guy <laughs> what doing? What the hell is Mark Grody? Hey, Grody, this ain't this ain't." This ain't the Bears, bro. Right, right, right. And there's like, yeah, all that stuff. There's a protocol that goes yeah. on with the beats. You got to respect the Bulls' okay. beats. Well, talk to me about, because clearly our last time, the last time we spoke was 9.05-ish. And so the trade happened at what would have been our 10 o'clock hit had you been on the air that long. But 
did you leave it right afterwards, like at nine thirty, or were you still at the Birdo Center? I, I stayed for about another half an hour. So you were I, gone by the time to, the trade was made. I was gone by the time the trade was made. So, yeah. So take me to the time, like, because remember, I kept on asking you throughout the whole time. I was like, let us know when AK leaves. Let us know when Mark Eversley leaves. That that's when we want to talk to you, because then that means that potentially something could be going on. So. What was that like? Last half hour, like for you, were they around? Were they gone? Did they? Were people? Were there, was there was there rumblings? No, they were long gone. So to give the full context, Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley did something that, according to the people on the Bulls beat that I asked about this, that was kind of an unprecedented thing. That Arturis Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley. We're just kind of hanging out, hobnobbing, if you will, with the media before about, uh, I'd say about an hour before the draft had started. So they were just there to show their faces, shake some hands, maybe answer a question or two on or off the record, whatever the case may be. Alyssa Bergamini, you know, took a photo. It's like, you know, she was kind of, should I, can I do this? Of course you can. This, this is the media area. They are in our, you know, of course, if you'd like to so take a photo of them and, you know, keep it in proper context, of course, is no big deal. But it was apparently a big deal that he was around. One of the people said it was the longest that, he had spoken to Arturis Karnaschovas, and he was down there for probably 15, 20 minutes or so with okay. Eversley, and then they went backstage. So they did not, to kind of answer the spirit of your question, no, they did not spend a lot of time mingling with the media, but they, they were there for a while, and then they were gone, and we never saw them until, obviously, after the second round. Right. And they're very close. I was listening to on, on, on the radio to those guys so but I was I was out of there but I know it was just a little bit before the second round ended that they started to talk and take questions did you feel as duped as I did you know because 10 15 rolls around we've been on the radio Ant and I for four hours at that point and I'm thinking you know the purpose was to be able to cover some sort of trade or any kind of movement whatsoever and right after 10 o'clock shout out God for that one yeah. <laughs> and it's like no, we're not, you're not getting this when Chuck Swirsky is. God was on Chuck Swirsky's side. Yeah, as he and, should and be. I, yeah, as, as, as he, he should be. be. <laughs> they seem like they're buds. I mean, it does. So, yeah, no, of course. They they drafted Julian Phillips. Did, did you dig? Of course. The player? Of course. I was, really? Oh, wait, 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 sorry, 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 sorry. Time out, time out, time out. Yeah. I, I misunderstood what you said. I was saying, did you dig? Like, did I do my Instagram oh. stalking and did I go you know, oh, check I out know all you, clips? I know you dug. Yeah, oh, I dug. Oh, I know because you dig. I was digging. Oh, I know. <laughs> I didn't go to bed till late last night. <laughs> I'm sure you did. I, I can't wait to hear what you have on the 6'8 forward from Tennessee. That's now, what I have on him. He's 6'8 yeah. he's from Tennessee. <laughs> Period. Yeah, that's it. No, I mean, <laughs> no, I've, I have I'm read joking. and looked into everything that everybody else has, but it sounds like you've gone even deeper. Well, so we I just remember, that. you know, like, like, you know, I do a gambling show, a college basketball gambling show with BetQL. Yeah, I know you do. And so, you know, obviously I've been watching a lot of these guys play uh, in, in, in the tournament, in their, you know, the regular season. And so Julian himself, you know, Tennessee, in the middle of the season, the college basketball season, they were surprising a lot of people. No one expected Tennessee to be this top-tier mm-hmm. franchise or, excuse me, college program. Uh, but they were surprising to people at the very beginning. And then they kind of teetered and fell off towards the end. So you were hearing his name, you know, early in the season. And so you, you, so when, when they drafted him, I was like, okay. But I got to be honest, Grody. When, when AK says that he was taking the best player available, you know, when you see who's drafted after him, 
it kind of makes you question it. But listen to AK say uh, talk about that that whole thing. Uh, in, in regards to wanting to draft or drafting the best player uh, that was available. Got it? There we go. Let's take a listen. No, we we just target most talented guys and, you know, and, you know, because our group had them much higher. Um, um, you know, we looked at a lot of uh, things in the first round as well. It just came out that, you know, we, we had a good transaction in the second round and we got a very good player, so we're pretty happy with that. There were a couple guys that I thought the Bulls could have looked at. I, I didn't, I wasn't under the assumption that they were going to trade back into that space, but you know, Keontae Johnson from Kansas State would have been a nice scoring guard. You know, he's he's a taller guy, but he's a guy who likes to be a score first kind of. A, Imani Bates from Eastern Michigan. I mean, granted. This is the thing. I remember Michael Porter Jr. Remember when he got drafted and the Bulls passed on him because he had back issues. But he was a clear-cut favorite to be like a top-five pick when he was coming out. He just had that back issue, and the Bulls didn't want to take a chance. Right. And I just remember saying to myself, like, when are you going to take a chance on a guy that has high ceiling but that's still good? Like, Michael Porter Jr. was already good, right? And then so it's not like Pat Will where you're like, oh, we got this six-man who has all these intangibles, and we think he can be great. Not that. I'm talking about somebody that's already proven and doing that. Imani Bates is that. He was a top-tier recruit coming out of, of, of high school. You know, obviously he ran into some issues and, and things of that nature. But in terms of – this is the NBA. You need one really good guy, like one superstar, mm-hmm. in order to get make a deep playoff run. And so, you know, Imani Bates could be that guy. So when you're taking someone where Mark Eversley is saying, like, oh, he could replace Derrick Jones Jr., uh – Okay, sure, yeah, awesome, great. There's a lot of guys in the G League that could <laughs> yeah, yeah. take over Derek Jones Jr.'s yeah, spot. It doesn't really move the meter, but that's that's what they're – I mean, they might be falling in love with the same things that some – like I look at and say, oh, 43-inch vertical, elite athlete, seven-foot wingspan. And I know – Say the three-point percentage. I was going to say 29.3% <laughs> from three – what was he, 11 for something? So we weren't we aren't even talking yeah. at like a high volume shooter from that area, but I don't know. I'm trying to make a case for them. He, he did say that the way I, I can't remember the exact language Arturis used, but essentially said he he could step on an NBA floor right now and defend. They said that about Dale and Terry. They did say that. They did say Dale. that about Dale and Terry. Right. Well, you're probably right. You're probably right. We could probably go he, find he's a, that. He's a high-level high, high level defender, yeah. long arms, oh, lengthy man. guy. He can come be somebody that can do that. Yeah, but what about the vertical? <laughs> what about the vertical? No, seriously, though, wasn't the vertical like the yeah, – It was like the highest, highest in the draft, in yeah, the, so, in the draft combine or yeah, something like that. It's not nothing. Okay. You know? And then who was it that came on yesterday? I heard Chuck talking to Joe Cowley, I think it was. Yes. And Joe said that when talking with Tibbs – Tibbs said that if someone can shoot free throws at a high percentage, he can turn them into a shooter. I heard that. Yeah. I thought that was fascinating. I'm was so great. glad you Joe heard Colley. that, too. Shout out yeah. to Joe Colley and Tom Thibodeau because, of, of course, that makes sense, I, I think, but I <laughs> Look, never— you got, good, you got good form and consistency, and that's what you need to have to, to shoot good free throws. Right, right. Good shooters are good shooters, I guess. So, no, I thought that was—I'm so glad that you— yeah, heard the same thing I did. I well, I was jotted that down. I was well, like, I was yeah. feeling salty that the trade didn't happen oh, during man. our show, so I had to listen to get some kind hey, of coverage. What made and Chuck you, sounded great, by the way. Oh, I know he did. Oh, I listened. Gosh. I listened to every bit of yeah. the show, and he stayed overtime too. And did he really? He did. He, well, he, well? he played. Yeah, he played the Arturis. I thought, okay, you know that he's out of here, and he came back. 
and he was kicking it with Leo. Like those guys were doing like the po- okay, let's break down what Arturo said. So oh, wow. it was great. It's like if we're doing this, let's do it. That's my way. whole attitude. Yeah. Like, we're doing this. Let's do this thing and let's try to do it as right as we possibly can, considering what we were given to work with. Should you and I have come come because we're the we're the overtime guys? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Should we yeah. have came back at midnight midnight to four? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and did an NBA special, <laughs> NBA trade special. You know what? Absolutely. You know, Bergamini totally would have been. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's a gamer. She would have. She would have come in here. I don't know that Porth would have produced it no. uh, or engineered it yeah. as he did last night. Tyler would have stayed. Yeah, Tyler would have stayed. Who I learned, who I learned that so yesterday at the beginning of the show, Sean's like, "Oh, Baby T is is, is doing something." And I said, "Who the hell is Baby T?" Oh, oh. And then he gets on the microphone, like Tyler, get on the microphone because I'm like, "Don't let nobody call you Baby T." And you know what he tells me? You're the one that gave me that nickname. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That oh, was me." I was like, "My bad, bro." So we're talking about Buterball? <laughs> no, no, oh. ba- no, Baby T, Baby Tyler, because he's the new one. Baby Tyler, yeah, I, Tyler Farringall. So I told him, I told yeah. him to take his hat. Cock it to the left so he can baby T can have a little more straight street cred. You know, it's baby T out here. His hat bang to the side. You know what side. I need? I need one of those like in Law and Orders and stuff where they have the big perp wall where they build their case on the oh, wall. Oh, the producers? I need, yeah, I need to see the one. producers just so I can see their own. Oh, okay, this this one does this, this one, that Leo you know, is that guy. If okay. you care, yes. you wouldn't need that. Oh, man. <laughs> Shady Gabe. Shady. If you, if you cared uh, about Shady. these people. Like, I, I, look at, look at, look at, look at, look at Caesar. <laughs> Even he knows. It. He agrees. How are you not going to know people's names? And tell him, Caesar, this is a veteran right here. I just get confused sometimes. And nicknames. You got to know their nicknames, too. Okay, baby well, T. now I know Baby T. <laughs> I've got another few Hey There Dudes from Grody. Uh, <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. What? Not, not lately, but in the beginning. It's hard to hear. Early on. Yeah. It's hard to remember. Hey, what's going on, buddy? You know, getting older, you know. Come yeah. on, you know. Just, not lately. Not lately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Caesar, we're good, man. You well, know? we go back to BBM. I will say that when you, I knew you from BBM, and I know I'm glad this has come up as well because when you came to the score, I didn't remember you. How insulting was that? You're just like, yo, I was working with you at BBM. I was like, oh yeah, like, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah. no yeah, actually, we actually worked together no for a couple feeling. of years. Yeah, and Caesar, <laughs> Again, was... I know you see a lot of faces, Grody. I mean, it's just hard right. to remember all the names. That, that, thank you, Caesar. All right, well, one name we do have to remember yeah. is Julian Phillips. Uh, he will be playing for the Chicago Bulls. Do you think he's going to make the roster? <laughs> I you, mean... can't, you can't say yes because Dalen Terry was a mid first round pick. And did not make the roster. And that's what stunted me. I mean, you brought up a good point that some of what they said about Dale and Terry last year is what they're saying about Julian Phillips now. So if you're asking me, I say no. I say yeah. no. It's going to be hard. Yeah. They got guys like Simonovich that want to play. They got you know other bodies that they're going to want to come in. Lewis from Marquette. I mean, there's guys that have been around this organization for a couple of years that are salivating at an opportunity to play. And I'm sure they themselves feel that you know a 19-year-old rookie isn't going to come in and supplant them or their space so that's going to be interesting. But, hey, you got to bring bodies in the in the building. you got to be competitive as competitive can be so that that way, you know, I don't know, man. He said he's going to address it. In, you got the clip where he says what, when he's going to address shooting and, and, and the point guard play. Because I, I, to me, that's the most frustrating one. Take a listen to this. Well, I think, again, we're going to look at this free agency. We, we have a lot of free agents. Um, and we're going to address shooting, address the lead position, and uh, – it's, uh, you know, this is the time to to talk about it. And we have group next week. We're going to, you know, we're going to address it. And once the free agency starts, I'm sure there's information is going to come out and we'll see what we have. But there's a lot of work to do. 
you know, we have to get better and we're going to address that. Sounds like a guy that it's like when you get in trouble and you have to like explain yourself, but you're like, you have zero energy. It's like, hey, listen, I, I made a mistake. I hit the restart button. And then the thing, yeah, I know we lost $27 million, but I mean, I was trying to do something. It's like, that's how he sounds, right? Now. Well, like, no, no, that's, that's so perfect because I, as, when I listened to him, I was thinking as it gets towards the end, I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going, okay, I got you. And he just keeps, like you're getting a little sleepy too. Oh, man, right. And it's like, okay, I got you, man. You know I what? Got I'm you. sorry I asked the question. Let's yeah. just, we'll wait for free agency to start. All right. Uh, there has been uh, some sort of declaration when it comes to a particular Chicago Bulls player and uh, his availability for the upcoming season. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more Bulls, tell you who that player is, and then try to see what direction this team needs to go in uh, in order to put themselves in a better predicament than they were last year uh, when they missed uh, the actual playoffs themselves. All right, we'll do that on the other side. It's Friday right here on 670 The Score with Gabe Ramirez and Mark Grody. We'll be back after this. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, live from 670 The Score and on the Odyssey app. Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, right here on 670 to score. What is the status of our guy? Our guy, and he's still our guy, Lonzo Ball. And, of course, they finally came out with the uh, announcement, one that everyone pretty much knew, but that the Bulls expect Lonzo Ball to miss the entire season. Glad that they got it out of the way this time, instead of letting it linger like they did last year with the uncertainty. I just, it's almost like, and I, and I try to liken it to our job, Grody, where, you know, let's say Mitch and Ryan were putting together their lineup, you know, from morning to night, and they had, you know, I don't know, somebody big. Dan, let's say Dan Bernstein or Lawrence Holmes. They are just out, and Mitch is being, you know, Mitch is being held accountable for the station's productivity, but like the a cornerstone, a guy that contributes at that level is just not there. So it's hard to do that, and that's. The, the predicament that AK finds himself in where he's being held accountable despite the fact that one of his key components is never going to play again. That sucks. But I'm glad that they, they came out and said it early. What are your thoughts? I know, I know that, uh, you know, you're around a lot of players. You're around a lot of these guys, and, and you've seen a lot of careers. When you think about an athlete, an elite athlete, playing at the highest level, who is in his 20s and has a freak injury that keeps him out of the sport and the profession that he loves, where do you, th- where do you think his mind is and, and what's his headspace like? Oh, man, it's just got to suck, and there's got to be a lot of denial too. I mean, mm. a lot where people are probably telling him, you might not play basketball again. I mean, I don't think that's inconceivable that he's hurt. And just the fact that they had to concede the season, which they did, you know, last night it was reiterated, but we knew before that that he would not play next season. So to have it, to have accepted that, I, I mean, I don't know if he has. Who, who knows if, if he has? Oh. And to see a career like that derailed, I mean, it sucks for everybody. It sucks for everybody, for the organization and for our tourists. And he is, I mean... He, he is accountable. He's not uh, obviously accountable for the injury, but he is accountable for, okay, 
you do have to plan for stuff like this to happen in mm. the organization. There are going to be injuries are a huge part of sports. So it, it is it is upon AK now to take a different direction or figure out how to compensate for the loss of Lonzo Ball. And he hasn't done it yet. Yeah. He hasn't been able to do it yet. Still got free agency to do it. Maybe, maybe Julian Phillips is something that none of us knows no. about. I don't think so. Maybe Dale and Terry is something that no, no. none of us knows about. I like him. I want to be very clear. I like him. I loved actually. Dale I love. I love Dale and Terry. Oh, because he's like Energizer. I right? have a I have a wild take on Dale and Terry. Wild. It's wild. And 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 I, you know me. I play basketball. I watch a lot of basketball. Dale and Terry coming out of college when he played at Arizona. You know, he was a facilitator. He was playing with, like, Benedict Matherin. He was playing with some guys that could jump out the gym. And I remember his, you know, pre-draft interviews where he said, when people were concerned about his scoring, and he's like, well, no, you don't understand. When I pass the ball to these guys and they score, it's like me scoring. Mm. So he's, he had he had that mindset That's already. Unbelievable and if mindset. You, and if you watch his highlights in college or if you watched him play in college, he had that level of flash that was similar to a Lonzo Ball. So you see where I'm going with this? What if Dalen Terry can become Lonzo Ball? But you just said I no, said it's right? a wild take. No, no, I said as I was saying more so are they the answers and everything like that. But, but you said Julian Phillips first too, by the way. Okay. But Dalen Terry. What if? I, I started this whole thing off with I have a wild take. Okay. All let's, right. let's go back to that part. I have a wild take. <laughs> Let me take you back Let me to take the disclaimer. Back but yeah. you know, if you have because it what was great. Lonzo Ball, right? He fixed his three-point shot. It's not like he was a, that, that much of a sharpshooter when he first got in the league. He had to change that to become a high-quality, high-volume shooter. Dalen Terry could do that, right? If he just trying to figure that whole thing out, could. You're talking about a guy in Lonzo Ball that was unselfish. That's what made, that's what made him so good for this team is that he was a facilitator that was unselfish that could play defense. That sounds like a sentence I could use to describe Dalen Terry, a facilitator that is unselfish, that likes to play defense. The only thing that's missing there is the three-point shot and obviously a gap in terms of talent. But but maybe, maybe you get him on the floor and, and he picks up the game a little bit. It seemed like he was moving too fast. The game hadn't slowed down for him. Right. Okay. Uh, mind you, I want to go like back. Kobe, like Kobe White was like that once upon a time ago. Do you remember Kobe I, White's first, like – he was so fast. It's like, we're, well, don't forget the basketball. <laughs> you're <laughs> shooting the three, but you're already getting the rebound. <laughs> yeah, like he yeah. and he has. Like we've seen him slow down. I do like your thinking. That that is a wild outside of the box wild. theory. And what if it's fun to think about? But even but putting like reality attached to it a little bit. I think that don't you think that if they thought there was more to Dale and Terry, they would have forced the issue with him more. And I know he they played did, but some But they did at the end year. of the but even think, especially oh, towards think, the end of the uh, season, right? I mean, he started, he was dominating in the G League. And, you know, we, we can talk to Mark Shinowski about that, who's going to oh, join perfect. us at 7 o'clock. Perfect. He calls the G League games. He saw a lot of Dale and Terry. And so, you know, they they start once he was doing well there, they started to give him opportunity because he was a high-energy guy off the bench. He kind of, you know, got the guys hyped up a little bit. I mean, yeah. Hit a shot or two. There was also a, 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 a lot of people playing that one and two position for the Bulls. When you had Goran Dragic, when you had Ayo, Alex Caruso, Kobe White. <laughs> I mean, those are a lot of guys that are in front of you that you're not just going to plant some rookie there and be like, 
hey, you know, we think you can take the reins and make this thing happen. I kind of felt bad for for Goran and all that because it got to the point where, okay, he might be our best option. Remember that? I remember. remember? I, used to, I used to come on the st- station and be like, start Goran Dragic. <laughs> yes. He's a veteran. Start a lot, of, a lot of people were. It was like we, everybody was just exhausted. Put in, what are you doing, Dragic? They put him in. He gets exposed, and then he's asked to leave. It was so, like – it was like a typical thirty late thirty year old. Like your first couple of minutes are great. Oh yeah, and you don't really. You're like a backup quarterback. Yeah. You don't really want to be exposed to too much. Game forty seven. You're like, ah. yeah. You find yourself out of the league if somebody <laughs> figures this out. Yeah, Gore's like, oh no, I don't want to start. No, 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 no. You got to give Kobe White a chance, man. No, no, no. And I remember when he ended up going to the Milwaukee Bucks. I think it was the Suns. I think it was the Suns that came out and were like, or maybe it was the Sixers. And they were like, oh, mad at the Bulls because the Bulls let Goran Dragic go and it allowed the Celtics or the, the Bucks to get a little bit better. And he didn't play a minute for them. <laughs> oh, he never, he <laughs> he never, never even played got for out them. Of the floor and people were bent out of shape about it. So, again, yeah. you got to have some time. Dalen Terry, obviously, you know, you're going to see him again in the summer league. Um, and hopefully he has a more prominent role on his team. But even guys like Carly Jones, these, these, these guards that can score or they have. They're specialists in their own right, but they're not, uh, you know, some well-rounded player, and that's something that the Bulls are going to have to uh, figure out and 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 quickly. It, it's... <sighs> Were you more disappointed? Is a question for you or our listening audience? Phone lines are open too, by the way. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Got any Bulls thoughts? Were you more disappointed by last night and the the lack of real activity? We'll say, or at the trade deadline? This year, and shout out oh. to Alyssa Bergamini because she brought that up last night. I thought that was a really good question. Great question, and it is without what, like you cannot. It's without debate. It is the trade deadline inactivity. I said it yesterday a ton. Nobody in picks, uh, you know, eleven through twenty-one are going to change your franchise. They're going to be role players. They're going to help you, but they're not going to be anyone that you're going to be able to lean on. And so the inactivity at the trade deadline, you know, you could have put yourself in a better position, maybe a higher percentage to go get Wemby, maybe, you know, uh, starting the new path with instead of a big three, a big two, you know, doing those kinds of things. And I feel like you had they had an opportunity to do that. But, you know, something that I've heard, you know, Cody Westerland say, you know, heard a, a couple of analysts say they keep talking about cents on the dollar. What are those looking like? And if the Bulls are getting back 70 cents on the dollar, to a DeMar DeRozan, then it's not worth it. And I'm sure that was the case at the trade deadline growths where they just felt they weren't getting back enough in that moment. So that's why they didn't make a move. And maybe to get into the first round, into the teens, it probably cost too much for them in order to do that. So, like, I don't even – I got to go look at what the Bulls gave up for that pick, that second-round pick. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's like a, it's like a sneaky move. Yeah. But I knew that was going to happen yeah. because people had too many picks. So they, they, you got to give it away. You can't right. just – you know, you try, and I used to remember when second round picks were so insignificant. Right. And then now all of a sudden they're so coveted and the Bulls find themselves. Uh, it was funny when they're one funny thing from the draft was when the guy was in, it wasn't Adam Silver, it was the one that came on after him. And when he would mention a trade, because now in the NBA, you know, there's so many trades happening from so many different places. Then it was like, <clears throat> excuse me, it was like, oh, Cleveland by way of Dallas, by way of Sacramento, <laughs> by way of uh, Miami, the Orlando Magic have selected. And you're like, wait, wait. We had an I, airport I, here. I, just, I don't know what's happening Reporting, here. what's happening. Uh, at least there was some some fun stuff. Yeah. All right, he's Mark Grody. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. Let's go out to the phone lines. 
Again, 312-644-6767, taking your thoughts. Bulls, you felt like, are you, Julian Phillips, I mean, come, just come on, right? Right? We'll take your calls in a second. All right, let's go to Andre out in Harvey. Andre, uh, so what do you got to say about these Chicago Bulls and what they did in this draft? Uh, first of all, I just want to say hello, uh, and I'm a big fan of you, uh, Dave and Grody. Hey. I didn't really have anything to say about this draft. You know, 35th pick with that guy, I forgot his name, but I wanted to ask, do we have a first-round pick for next year in 2024? I think we traded that away for DeMar, right? I can go look. Oh, wow. I can go look that up right now. Mm. Bulls twenty twenty four. All right. Well, yeah. Start planning next year's draft show. Well, Andre, thanks for hanging out. <laughs> thanks for hanging out at the G spot with Gabe and Grunt. <laughs> oh yeah. Wait, that's right. It's Friday night. It's, it's Friday after six o'clock. All right, we're good. G spot it is. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hey now. <laughs> All right, Washington owns Chicago second round pick twenty twenty two. Bulls twenty twenty four. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Since the Bulls did not move up in the first round through the draft lottery this year, they will regain outright ownership of their first-round draft pick in 2024. Okay. So that one was supposed to go, if I'm not mistaken, to San Antonio had the Bulls had a first pick, and it didn't, so now the Bulls get that one. Okay. All right. Well, now the question becomes, after nothing at the trade deadline, Julian Phillips last night. Yeah. And Arturis was talking about We'll see what we're going to do now in free agency. Now what? Now what? It just like was this? Should that tell you all we need to know about the Bulls going into this year? That this this is going to be the core will continue to be Demar Derozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine. Is that? Do you think it'll be any much far off from that? Aside from the peripheral players, Kobe White's, Patrick Williams. I guess maybe they're more than peripheral players. Yeah, it, it, I think when you're looking at it from a percentage standpoint, Groats, I would say it'd be in the upper 70s, the likelihood that the Bulls run it back with the same team. Yeah, it feels like it. There's a 20% chance that yeah. someone might be involved in some sort of three-team trade or, you know, something. Because I have another hot take, and it is that DeMar DeRozan should get traded in a sign-and-trade tra- where the Raptors sign Fred Van Vliet, send him down to Chicago, Bulls send DeMar DeRozan up there. Why? Here's why. We know he's a legend in Toronto. Of course. We know the Bulls, remember when they got Dwayne Wade, it was like his farewell swan song, and you did it. Why? To put butts in the seat. And so if you're going to move on from Fred Van Vliet, if you're going to move on from Pascal Siakam, and you're going to start to some, somewhat of a rebuild, hey, put Grady Dick in his – and his uh, uh, what is it? And his, and his Dorothy slipper yeah, jacket the sequence. Yeah, yes. Put them together and let them hang out with Drake in Toronto. Oh, there you go. But that I know. I know Demar wants to compete for a title. Start up on the bottom. <laughs> hey, there you go. I like that. See? But it would be cool. I, I think that's a way to get Fred here without you know necessarily going over the luxury. Right, and, and the Bulls will have filled a huge need. I think, unfortunately, it's crazy to think about it because DeMar DeRozan has been so good with the Bulls and he's been fun to watch and he's done some historic things in a Bulls uniform, but all along he still would have preferred to have Fred Van Fleet, right? A hundred percent of the time. I mean, it's such a strange because he's been great, and right? He's a guy he's capable a great of- Chicago Bull. DeMar DeRozan, <laughs> who we almost all universally agree 
probably is not a great fit. Not like, a, and we'd all be okay to say goodbye, but it's just so strange because he's great. Well, the funny thing is that no one thought he was going to perform at the level that he's performed at. That's very true. And he, that's, that was surpri- his first yeah. year here was a big surprise. And so that's what makes him a bad fit is that you were too good, so you you oh. kind of messed up the Zach Levine they thing. Let, they let it go. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You messed up the Zach Levine thing. You're right. Now, if you would have just right. been like some like mid-level oh guy God. that was scoring you know 15 points a game, then you'd be perfect. God, it, it really sucks to come to the reality that DeMar DeRozan screwed good. everything up. <laughs> yeah, for the Bulls. Too, too good. You're right, though, because every single – I mean, I know we talk about it still to this day, but m- – all the last shots were going to DeMar DeRozan, and justifiably in that year. But it was like, okay, put your feet up. We're just going to kind of see how this. Because no one thought that. No one was like, hey, we signed DeMar DeRozan. He's going to be the man. Right. Zach Levine's going to take a backseat to DeMar DeRozan. No one thought that. Nobody. Right. And, and then he's dropping 25 points a game, 26 points a game. And you're like, oh, damn. And then Zach's like, damn, hey, guys, what, what's going on here? I remember asking the question a lot when they signed DeMar DeRozan. I, I, I was asking anybody that we had on the air in regards to the Bulls, who's the best player on this team now? And I'd say I probably asked maybe 20 people that question. There was only one person that said DeMar DeRozan. So everybody was Zach, to, to oh, the wow. point of Zach Levine that he's the best player. Nobody expected DeMar DeRozan to come in and do what he did. So wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, from the 815, says, Gabe and Grody, enjoy the Bulls talk. Can either of you tell me what the hell – Marco Simonovic is supposed to be. Is he a permanent bench coach? I got to be honest, man. Like he's, he's just a guy we're going to be talking about five years yeah. from now. Okay, remember Marco Simonovic? Oh, that's what's going to happen. Like, like he's, he was supposed to be like an offensive juggernaut. He kills in the G League. Kills. Puts up like 20 and 10. Hey, shout out to the G League. They're getting more credibility with the draft, man. Yeah, they are. Oh, man. All right, Mark Shinovsky is going to hang out with us at the top of the 7 o'clock hour. We get to talk to him. Uh, eight one five. Stick around. We're gonna ask Marshanowski what's up. So what's up with that Marco Simonovich guy? <laughs> Do that. <laughs> little Seinfeld. Thank there. you. Thank nice. you. Thank you. Love it. Uh, and we're gonna talk about Carly Jones and a lot of other people. So we'll do that. But before we uh, talk to Mark at the top of the hour, Grody and I are gonna discuss this Tim Anderson situation. Moving, being moved to second base. Um, said it's an issue with his shoulder, but we're gonna talk about whether or not this is a a bigger move for the White Sox than what is what we are being led to believe, right? It's Gabe Ramirez. It's Mark Grody. It's Friday in the beautiful city of Chicago, and this is 670 The Score. You know, we still have, I think, what, 95 games or so. Um, he leads off for us. So you're looking at another probably 380, 400 at-bats. I don't know how he's going to end up. My money's on him, though. You know, um, so... Um, he works. It's not like if he's laying back and sitting down, not doing anything, not trying to get better. He works as hard as anybody I've ever been around. And um, and at the end of the year, we'll we'll have this conversation again. I mean, it's just it's just one of those. I believe in the player. You know, I believe in a lot of these guys. You know, so um, I know he's going to figure he's going to figure some things out, and he's going to end up being you know the guy he's always been. You know, he's been a model for consistency at the top of the order, and he'll be that again. It's Pedro Grafol talking about Tim Anderson, his work ethic, and the reason why it's relevant, Tim Anderson being placed number two in the lineup today, which he did like a week ago where, you know, they said to themselves, hey, man, Timmy's struggling, no big deal. He's going to go back to the one spot. That's what they said. He's going to go back to the one spot. And Benny's just been doing phenomenal as of late. 
So we're leaving Andrew Benatini at the one until Tim feels good again. Then Tim didn't play a couple games. The assumption was that he was going to go on the IL. But here he is back at second or back at second in the batting order and now playing second base. And Pedro Grifol saying some more of the same. His shoulder's injured. Don't read too much into it. As soon as he feels better, he's going to go back to shortstop. Grody, when you hear something like that, is that coach speak? Is that setting us up for what's to happen in the future? Or is it just exactly what he's saying? And Tim just needs to rest his shoulder. And once he feels better, he's going back to short and batting first. Of course I'm suspicious when you see that. Because if he goes to second and he plays well there, and it seems like a viable option for him. And you solve the second base problem. You might have solved the second base problem. So if that's really... if the. If they're really trying to solve the second base problem, I'd get it. But I don't think Tim Anderson playing shortstop is that big of a problem to where you say, oh, maybe we can get Tim off of shortstop. I mean, but think about how many people complain about his defense. And when you're talking about an extremely important position like short, moving him off of it isn't a a terrible idea. It's not a terrible idea, but it's also not one that I look at and say, let's let's fix the White Sox midseason. I don't put... Got to have Tim Anderson off of the six yeah. as very high, but I, I understand what you're saying. He's not an elite shortstop by, by any means, and he's gotten better from being pretty bad early in his career, earlier in his career. And then there are other issues, right? You got Yohan Makata not playing, so you got Jake Berger playing third base tonight, where there's been talk of him playing second. You know, when you're talking about what is the carousel of second baseman for the Chicago White Sox, oh boy, Rami Gonzalez. Frazier, Tim Anderson, you had you on there at one point. It's just, it seems like a simple solution. You have a guy like Elvis Andrews, and, and Elvis Andrews never played second base in his life, and he played second base. He was like, eh, whatever, I'll do it. I don't care. Super gamer. Love Elvis Andrews. Right? I love Elvis Andrews. Really? I love me some Elvis okay. Andrews. Okay, let's talk about it. Well, the reason, here, a couple of things. What is lacking from this Chicago White Sox team? A true veteran. Someone that's been good in Major League Baseball and then is coming to your team to be like, guys, this is not how you do it. And that's who Elvis Andrews is. Last year when the White Sox were looking for some sort of leadership, so everybody was talking about who's the leader of this team? Who is it? Who is Lance Land? Tim Anderson? Who is it? Elvis Andrews and Johnny Cueto came in the middle of the season and they were the leaders of this team. They were the ones that people rallied around. Why? Because they were playing at such a high level. And they were coming in every single day as veteran guys that have had success in in the majors coming into this place like as a secondary role player and they're saying to themselves, if I'm working this hard, if I'm playing at this level, why aren't you guys? You guys haven't proven anything. Well, and why has that been such a problem with the White Sox, with this – it says something about this core of players because guess who else was like that? Dallas Keuchel. Mm. Dallas Keuchel had a voice, and I think his voice was a was the opposite voice of the rest of the clubhouse because I've heard that they they don't they didn't really like he was not a popular player right. in the clubhouse because he probably told them oh, that's not how you do this. He did remember? He, he, I know. He, and everybody's like, who's who's the Wedito over here talking crazy? <laughs> yeah. over here? I mean, he did win a Cy Young award. He, he, that's just it. He's like, he is good. He is a veteran. Right. He's, he's he has 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 had success. You should be listening to him. Oh yeah. And that's why I love Elvis in those situations. A few years earlier, there was another veteran player, different era of White Sox baseball. What position? 
I'm trying to think. It was very. It was. God. Was he a pitcher or a position? No, player? he was a position shortstop. He was a shortstop, veteran shortstop. The White Sox brought in about from the Phillies. Man, I'm like putting it together in my head. Mm. Uh, who was he? The Phil. The you know Phillies. The text line's going to take care Tim, of this. Tim. Um, Jimmy Rollins. Jimmy Rollins. Oh Remember when gosh, Jimmy Rollins? Jimmy Rollins. When G- nice job, Caesar. I've loved you since the BBM days, man. <laughs> That's why I've loved you since the WBBM. Days, but but Jimmy Ro- freaking Rollins came into that clubhouse right when it yeah. was a very chaotic clubhouse, and he was one of those veteran voices that you heard might have been one of the people's like this is not the way you're supposed to do things. It's not the way I want a World Series. I mean, I'm just saying, like you know, I'm not trying to say I'm like the greatest Jimmy Rollins anymore. Yeah, but I do know how a clubhouse should be run. So there seems to be this theme where we could actually come up with individual you know, leaders that have tried to shake things up. And I know we're talking about this core specifically, but that's not a good sign. No, you know what I mean. That when we're talking about this for their sake, exactly. And and, and this team, I mean, you know, we talk about it a lot. And you know, when we talk about the Cubs and their 2016 run few years removed from it is the way that team was playing is how I feel like the White Sox are right now where they're like, Hey guys, we're good. We're going to be, we're all right. We're going to win the, we're going to win the AL central. <laughs> like 10 games back. Don't worry guys. We're fine. Yeah, so do you think they're like, Oh, it's crazy, man. Yeah. Just looking up, yes. refreshing their, yes. yeah. Cause that's what happened with like the, you know, the Cubs and then those years that were following that they just, the assumption was that they were going to just be fine. And that's where the White Sox have found themselves in the last couple of years, where they just feel like, oh, yeah, we're going to be fine. We have, we have Luis Robert Jr., guys. And Luis Robert Jr. is going, Papa, me not. It's me. I'm here. I got this. Elo Jimenez, he's like, buddy. <laughs> Hi, Mom. No te preocupes. I'm here. It's all good. Like, everyone thinks it's all good and everything's fine. But they don't have the same. Like, I look at it like a guy like Jake Berger. And Jake Berger, to me, you can just tell he wants it so bad. I want to be up in the bigs every day. I want to be playing. And not to say that Eloy and Luis don't feel that way, but there is that passion that needs to be there. That's how you win championships. Yeah, love the game. You got to love what you're doing. You got to come in every day prepared to play at that extremely high level. They just play differently. There's a coolness to their game, I think. You know, you look at Jake Berger, and I think he gets the benefit of the doubt because he doesn't necessarily look like, like the, he's right. got the mustache now. Which, yeah. How do you feel about the mustache? That Listen, look. I, I guess I, I should have just said I loved everybody on the White Sox. Yeah. I love me some Jake Berger. Oh, he's he's your guy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, Jake Berger's just a masher, right? Like, get him he's in there. Just a masher. You're right. He's a smash. I remember people. Ooh, it been, oh, nice, nice. I do like that. It may have been you who said this to me, but somebody said that, and this was a while back. They're like, oh no, sound off of his bat. It's like they're like he's Kyle Schwarber esque. Mm. Like, oh, come on, come on. But it's true. I've yeah. noticed, like, since I was told that by whomever it was, yeah, he do, it does like he does have that thing that's hard to just the sound. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, that, and no, none of us have measured that yet. And somebody, maybe it has been the sound off the bat, but there just one. are certain guys. And I heard it every time Schwarber roped a damn single at Wrigley Field when I was doing pre and post. There was that crack. I can't even. Describe it. Well, Lucas Giolito takes the bump for the White Sox today. They start their three-game set versus the Red Sox. Hopefully, uh, the White Sox can bounce back after losing a couple to the uh, to the Rangers. All right. Um, on the other side, we get a chance to talk to Mark Schnowski, pick back up our Bulls conversation. What does he think about Julian Phillips, and how will he contribute to the team? Or does he think that 
he'll be figuring out a lot about him because he'll be calling a lot of his games in the G League. Mark Shanowski uh-huh. joins the show after this. It's Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.